and the other day, actually, I was at a communication seminar and, and the, the host was saying, never build your emotional self in others because then you're rendered homeless. And, and that actually wow. really stuck with me because it's so true, whether in personal or business life, you have to do things for yourself and you can pivot. I think people are very stuck on if I'm going to be one thing, I can never change. That's not true. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, today's guest is an entrepreneur, author, and business coach, and need I not mention a mother of five as well. After failing in many businesses and finally cracking the secret to the e-com world, Mariam El-Huli has made it a mission to empower women to do the same and follow their dreams. And I'm so grateful to have her on the show today to chat about all things entrepreneurial, balancing, you know, being a mum with all the things that life throws at you. I know we were just talking about a he- the hectic week you've got on your plate. So thank you so much for, for squeezing me into your schedule and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Me too. Now, I want you to just share a little bit about, I guess, a typical day in your life, if that's even a thing, or just maybe the last 24 hours. Like, just tell us a little bit about, you know, you've obviously got a few things going on. And I love talking to people who have this dynamic combination of a lot going on, because it's always really interesting to me how they make it all work. Uh, you know, what, what kind of fits for you. So talk to me a little bit about the last 24 hours in your life. What's that look like? So we've got, as you know, Ramadan now, so we're fasting, we're observing the month of Ramadan, um, and it's very challenging when you work and the kids. So typical day for me starts at 5 a.m., sometimes even earlier. Uh, we you know we get up, get the kids up to school. You know, the, Thank God they're a little bit older now. So, you know, one goes to TAFE, the other few in high school, and then I do the drop-offs the lunches, drop off three schools, and then I'm back at emails, Eve Skin, which is my organic skincare company, um, making sure that everything's going smoothly with that. And then we've got the other meetings for Mica Minerals, which is our mineral makeup company, and they're replying to a ton load of emails for public speaking, for my writing, and for all the other stuff that I do. And then it's back to getting the kids from school. Like you have to be wary of the time and then preparing dinner, cleaning up the house, looking, seeing what the kids need, sport activities for them. And then I'm back working again. On, I call it the night shift, um, especially yeah. Australia's time zone is like completely wacky, Erica, as you know, like we were in the end of the world. So to speak to the other side of the world, I have to be up at one, two, three in the morning sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that's how it is. It's, it's a cycle of never ending. But I love it. And it's not for everyone. I just wanted to be clear that it is not for everyone, but I strive and love it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to know a little bit about how you actually started your businesses. Did you have business experience? How did you actually take that leap to start these businesses off, one, and then to scale them to be successful? What people see is these are not my first businesses. I've had probably 10 or 15 ever since I was 18. I was always trying to make it work, um, trying to you know have a better life for the kids and I and the family because I had them very young. I was 16 when I had my oldest. So I was really a kid myself and looking now back in hindsight. And from one failure to another, you sort of pick up on the traits. You, you, if, you, if you've got any sense of, you know, of a compass in you, you sort of know what not to do next time. 
So over mm. the, the last probably 15 or so years, I've picked up a lot of skills um, that have enabled me to sort of now understand and navigate the world of business because it's very hard, especially the last couple of years moving into e-com. That's very different to what I had done before. I had a clothing boutique here in, in Brunswick. There's a designer coding, uh, designer clothing, and we got scammed. Again, it's all lessons. So starting those businesses, I started from scratch. There was probably $169 in Eves. That's what I started with. I used, if you're aware of Afterpay, to get some labels because mm-hmm. there wasn't enough money for that. And slowly, slowly built it. And then COVID came along, nearly bankrupted us, but then learned that you need to sell the benefits and people were getting mask acne. So that was how we flourished and just built from there. Amazing. So one thing I found really interesting that you've just said is that, you know, you had so many, let's call them quote unquote failures, but what you picked up were traits along the way that kind of compounded into this now successful projection. That approach I feel is like it's it's incredible, right? But it's really hard in the moment when you you feel like a failure and you feel like you've kind of, you know, the world's ending and you haven't done it right and you just feel really crappy about yourself. So I just want to know, do you think that that's a trait that you just naturally had? It's kind of just one of those things that you just get on with the job, get it done. Or did you kind of have a process in which you, you know, reflected, gave yourself like a bit of space to feel the feels? Like just talk to me through how you actually did that because when you have so many kind of, let's call them failures in a row, it can be really like disconcerting and you can get really unmotivated at the same time. I think for me personally, because I experienced at a young age three wars, one of in Lebanon when I was there with my my son when he was young, I think I saw the worst of humanity and how life is so fragile that no what no matter what failure I had gone through, whether in, in a personal business life, it didn't it didn't come close to what I had Compare. seen before. So it didn't it didn't matter really because every time I'd fail, yeah, I'd get upset for a minute, but then I remember everything that happened and I say, Well, you can't be you surely can't be upset about a few dollars or a few products that didn't work and, and how about everything that you saw before. So I think having that as as my as my, you know, you know people have mood board. Point that of was reference. my mood board. Yeah, that was my yeah. point big point of reference in life that after seeing all of that, that there nothing is really important. And and what's the other thing is really important for people to understand is it's if you are at rock bottom, there is no way down further. That's it. Every time you hit zero, what are you gonna dig a grave for yourself? You need to go up. So you there is there is no way. So I, I made it my mission not to, you know, even when we lost three, four hundred thousand dollars in, in our boutique, our life savings, you know, I think I shed three, four tears, wiped off my tears and next literally like you know, everyone around was gobsmacked that, you know, but what do you do? You, you can't, if you chase money, it will run. You, you need to mm. understand that you need to have a bigger purpose and then money will just follow you. It, it's just a byproduct of your work. Yeah. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So what was that purpose for you? What was the bigger purpose? To have a decent life, me and the kids. I didn't want to be living paycheck to paycheck. I didn't want to be living... I didn't want to be living like the, you know, the the normal mums that just ethnic mums, especially you have kids, you stay home and then that's it. And you just wait till the kids grow up and then you make kids food for the grandkids. You know, just a typical, the cycle, cycle. that you find the ethnic females, especially in our communities live. Um, I went back to school. I went back to uni. I'd done a literature degree while having five kids and it took 10 years, but it doesn't matter because life's going on anyway. 
So I, I've always mm. not wanted to live the, the standard life that in every nearly every mum lives. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's so powerful, right, when you actually have that strong desire, like to put in context, right, so many people listening to the show will have a career, they probably have a really good career, but they have this burning desire to do something else and they may not know what that something else is. And I think if you're trying to define that thing rather than come from a place of why do I want to do this thing, sometimes it's not that it's inauthentic, but it may not be the thing. I feel like when you find the right driver or the right path, it's because it's something that's inside of you already. It's something you feel, it's something you want. And that is such a, an organic way to continue to do something or to follow a path. Like it, it almost isn't a force at that point. Like you said, like you got scammed out of a lot of money and that was like basically your life savings. But the fact that you were able, you know, wipe your tears and move on is because you had that connection to that deeper why. And I think it's just such an important reminder for people. Like if you just zoom out from, you know, oh, I lost this money here or I stuffed up on this task here. Like if you just zoom out in the big picture, like why are you doing the things you're doing? And this isn't even just with like career, right? It's with the relationships you're in. It's with how you're spending your time. Like what's the why behind all these things? Because if you're just doing it, because like you said, it's you're on autopilot, it's a cycle, you're just doing what's kind of been laid out in front of you, that's your life and it's it's going, it's moving and, and no one's going to stop or change the course of it other than yourself. So and, I think your story is really over, over the years and as I've got, you know, as we get in general, as we get older and we get, hopefully we get wiser and, and, and I one think would we, hope, yes. We, we, we hope, we hope, because it's not always the case. And, <laughs> and you know, people always look at me, but how can you become a mum at 16? I say, you, you can meet 40 year olds that have an attention span and a brain width of zero. Age is never, ever an indicator of, of wisdom. It's what you go through that actually, that actually makes you wise. But I, I found that, and I've learned that you have to be your own supporter, you have to pat your own back. And you have to do it for yourself before anyone else because you're the only person that's going to stick around from when you you were born to you die. You know, everything mm. in life and everyone, and I mean everyone from our families to our spouses to our kids, they can leave us whether by choice or whether by nature, you know, where people pass away, whether they get ill, where things happen, where marriages broke down, whatever it is. And you're left with yourself. And in the other day, actually, I was at a communication seminar and, and the, the host was saying, never build your emotional self in others because then you're rendered homeless. And, and that actually wow. really stuck with me because it's so true, whether in personal or business life, you have to do things for yourself and you can pivot. I think people are very stuck on if I'm going to be one thing, I can never change. That's not true. And from a business point of view, I tell people, forget passion. That's the biggest lie you've ever been told because passion is for people that have money. If you can't pay your bills, if you can't feed yourself, if you can't put yourself to the things that you want, passion is useless. When I started Eve's, it wasn't a passion. It was it was something that I wanted. I've got sensitive skin that helped me and that I was going to make a living out of. Passion comes later when I became an author. That's my passion. Like you, mm. I think people mix up the two and they spend their entire lives wasting their lives trying to run behind the passion when really they need to get things done and then that becomes second nature and you pivot so many mm. times. Yeah, I think that's interesting to think about. Like, look, consider like your current circumstances. Like, are you in a position where A, you know what your passion is and B, you can financially, you know, facilitate that? 
alternatively, you know, do you just have to kind of find a means to an end for the meantime until you're in that position, you know, and, and I can definitely resonate with that. Like, I definitely feel like that's a position in life where I'm at, right? Like I'm doing these podcasts on the side, but I work as a full-time lawyer. I do enjoy my job, but it's not necessarily what I see myself doing for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. This podcast and branches off the back of that, similar to you, like, Uh, becoming an author or speaking or or curating events like that is my passion but I know that you know it will take time to build that and get there and so that's why I'm doing it on the side and that's why I've been consistent for so many years because I have that deeper connection to a passion but it's not necessarily I mean I'm still being able to live it out now but it's not making me a living so to speak and there's nothing wrong with that exactly absolutely wrong nothing wrong with that that can be, and I call it my, I call my writing my side hustle now because I can't pursue it full time <laughs> like yourself. But there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're self aware that you know this is my future goal, and slowly, slowly I can work towards that. That is okay. The problem is when people just see that big goal as a now thing and they can't achieve it, and that's when they give up. You only have failed yeah. if you've ever given up. You know, where, where there's a means, there's a way. And and I found over the couple of years of ecom you know, and speaking to hundreds of women for business coaching, it's not the lack of funds stopping people chasing the dreams. It's a lack of courage. It's because our ears turn to everyone around us. And every time you tell someone, I want to do X, I can guarantee you 99% of them will say it's a bad idea. So, you know, you just need to close, zoom in on yourself and just do things without telling anyone. Yeah, yeah. And I think like it's, it's interesting, right, when we talk about money, it's just because, I mean, I've got an e-commerce business as well, so I can definitely re- relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I feel like when we're talking about success, just because of the way society is conditioned, we generally put that in the basket of finances. However, there are so many other things that go hand in hand with success, like the community you're building, the connections you're making, the impact you're having on people, the lessons you're learning along the way that are very far from what a financial number can reflect. And so often we get so hung up on that one metric when we're succeeding in so many other areas. And that's kind of how I see uh, different areas of my life, right? So like this podcast is not my uh, bread and butter from a financial point of view, but it's bringing me a sense of success in so many other ways. I mean, like I said to you before we jumped on this call, I, you know, for me, it's not like interviewer next. It's I build such re- like really nice connections with people that, you know, we help each other out in different ways. And you never know when those relationships serve you long term, even with everybody listening, they reach out all the time. And, and it's just such a nice way to just kind of reframe success, right? Like it's not always about the money. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But one thing I wanted to go back to, which I think is super interesting. You were talking about that um, beautiful quote you heard at the seminar the other day, this idea that you shouldn't be building, I guess how I take it anyway, you shouldn't be building your definition or idea of self based off somebody else, either what somebody else wants or what somebody else needs. Because like you said, once they're gone, 
what are you basically left with? It's it's nothing. And I think this really comes down to the whole concept of self-love and self-belief. And it's something we talk about a lot on the show because I feel like the concept can be quite arbitrary in the sense people think it's, you know, light the candles and get a massage. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel grounded within yourself, if you don't feel balanced within yourself, that to me is the foundation of all this stuff, right? It's going to be the foundation in which you can leap onto, you know, through difficult moments or you can push forward uh, when when other people are telling you maybe that's a bad idea, but you have that, that self-confidence. So I just want to know for you, is this something you've struggled with in the past, this self-belief? Is self-doubt something that you felt creep up in your life? Have you How have you kind of built that really strong fortress of self-confidence or just resilience within yourself? I know you mentioned before you kind of had this bigger point of reference and you knew where you wanted to go. But if we just bring it down to Mariam, you with yourself, how have you kind of nurtured that strength, that inner, that inner strength? I don't know. That's actually a very hard question because I've never sat down and, and really thought about it. I've just always been, like you said, not on autopilot, but just what's next, what's next, and and the big point of reference in my life. But I think, um, I think, and I was sort of thinking about it the other day. My father passed away at fifty-two. You know, he left a ton of kids behind. I was twenty-one. Uh, I had three kids on my own. And I think from that moment on, I realize time is what we're chasing. And I realize that nothing is guaranteed. Literally nothing is guaranteed. So I've always thought to myself when I get to, you know, whether it's self-love or whatever it is, the definition that you want to call it, I've always looked back and said, well, if you if you now give up, if you now don't love, if you now think that that's it, it's over and, you know, and every day, as you know, with e-com, every day you've got a problem. And every day I say, that's it. I'm going to throw everything in the bin and I'm sick of it. Why can't I just do a normal <laughs> job again? You know, it's it's sometimes very frustrating. But then I, I think to myself yeah. and I say, well, Miriam, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not promised. We don't know if we're going to have one year's t- chance or two years later to go back and, you know, think about it and do it again. So and then that's how I sort of pick up myself, um, you know, sort of back. But going back to what you said about e-com and, and and trying to sort of I call it build a legacy this is how I picture it if you sold a hundred products a second from your brand yeah no one's going to remember Erica because when that product's finished it's going to the bin so people have to understand the metric of whether we were talking about money before or whether um financials doesn't really make an impact on your life long term if you want to leave behind a legacy because mm. you never ever should put your self-worth in how many products you sold that's absolutely absurd because no one's no one cares and no one's going to remember two things. Nobody absolutely cares. You know, us humans are selfish and we bought the product because it's a need or probably a want and that's it. You should always have bigger goals later for yourself and that should be your metric. I'm a better Mariam mm. than I was yesterday, than the one the day before, the year before, even the second before. And And the other thing I want to point out to your listeners is and and this is, I think, sometimes society you know pushes us against the wall. We are allowed to change our mind. I am allowed, and yes. you are allowed to say, "Well, yesterday I believed in X, and today I am free to believe in Y." That does not make me a hypocrite, but it makes me a wiser person. I, I've realized a lot now that, and I've been doing this a lot, and then people have been taking a stance. But I'm, I'm allowed to grow. I'm a human. How can you expect me to be the same version of myself that I was 5, 10, 15 years ago? You, I can't. 
So you're allowed yeah. to change your ideas, your beliefs. Everything is allowed to be changed. Nothing's concrete. Yeah. Nothing in life is concrete. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful reminder because I think what trips us up a lot of the time or holds us back from trying new things is this fear of, um, and I think maybe ego has a role to play as well. Like you kind of think, well, I can't do that because I'm going to be judged, right? And that is just a fear of what other people think and it's such a superficial thing to hold you back like are you really going to waste your whole life not doing things of because of the fear of what other people think when you know that's just a a barrier you've created for yourself like you said I think that's a really great reminder because I think there are probably some people listening and that would have really resonated with that feel like they have all this stuff they know what they want to do or they know what they would like to try but there is this lingering fear of but you know I'm I'm I was always known as a lawyer and now I want to be a business owner. Like no one's going to take me seriously. You know, like who cares? No one started off as a professional business owner. No one started off as the best entrepreneur. They learned that along the way and you have to start somewhere. So if it's something you know you want to do, you're only delaying it for, you know, longer. You're only pushing back that dream. You're only pushing back the what if, you know, and you don't want to get to the end of your life. And like you said, we don't know when that is. It took me two and a half years to have the nerve to do an Instagram story or say that I'm the person behind my brand, literally. And and I think I really resonate with that because that's exactly what happened to me because I was feared of being judged. I'm a young mum. I have a big family. I'm an ethnic lady. I'm a scarfed female as well. So if, if I was going to put down a, on a Google spreadsheet of everything in my mind that I shouldn't be. I've ticked all the boxes. Like I don't fit into a normal, um, you know, what an entrepreneur should look like, should talk like, should uh, her way of life. I I didn't think, I don't think that box exists. I think we think it exists, but I don't think it really does. Now I realize we are led to believe that this box exists, but it actually doesn't. And um, the only reason I I had the guts to really go ahead because I wanted to expand and get media reach and no one would accept without photos and who's the person behind the story. And then I said to myself, well, bad luck. That's me. I I can't pretend I'm someone else for the rest of my life. So whether people are going to be upset about it and not maybe purchase the products because it was just the brands that I had, well, then they're not my tribe. Then that means, and it's okay. It's not I'm the failure. It may be that we're not aligned together. But then mm. after that, I, I absolutely don't care anymore. Not I don't care about people's yeah. opinions if it's constructive. I don't care about people judging the way I live or, or what I should or shouldn't do because, you know, as you get a bit a bit more known in this industry, you you, uh, you allow the can of worms on social media to open. And sometimes I just get messages and I just look and say, you know, I feel sorry for the other person. How much time do you have on your hand to just sit and write an essay for me when you have no idea about my life? Just making assumptions. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, honestly, with everything you're saying. And I just think it's really refreshing, right, for people to realise that the block or the limit is – is really within their own mind. Like for me, that was quite freeing when I realized that. And look, it doesn't it doesn't mean like you don't get hurt when you when you get a nasty message or things like that. But at the end of the day, you realize like I'm in control and being me is my superpower. Like that's actually being unique. And one thing you said that I just want to touch on before I ask you the next thing is uh, you were talking about how you know you said you know if I if if I show myself and then it doesn't resonate with people and they don't want to connect with a brand, then we're not aligned. I feel like when you really stand in who you are, 
it's actually a gift because you weed out the people that don't serve you or that just, it's not that they're bad people and it's not that you're better. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just, you're not aligned. So like the question really for everyone listening is, would you rather be a half version of yourself and, and please everyone connect with everyone just so you feel aligned and you're not upsetting or rustling any feathers, or would you rather stand in your true sense of self? Even if that means you're going to lose a few people along the way, but you know that the ones that are left are the real ones, you know, are the people that really connect with you and believe in you and I think it's once you do it I mean just even with the move overseas right like it it naturally disconnected me from a lot of people who were just clinging on just just on the hanging on for dear life it wasn't a strong connection it naturally weeded those things out and for me it's like you can sit and cry about it but ultimately if it was strong enough it wouldn't have it wouldn't have broken off and so I think you kind of got to just let go of that and, and just trust that if you really are aligned and being who you are you're going to attract those people that that appreciate that, that appreciate you for who you are, and I think that's a blessing. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um, but I do want to ask you about your book, so The Olive Tree. Talk to me a little bit about the themes in the book because um, I think it's quite relevant to just in general like people can think about ways to apply it to their own life. So The Olive Tree, I write fiction with a purpose, um, and that's, as we said before, that's my real passion since I was very young. And I think just experiencing those civil wars overseas and stuff it just really cemented that that's where I want to hopefully one day retire to and, and just write. I wrote The Olive Tree a few years ago, and, you know, I, when, I, when I was in my shop and I just, in my spare time, just like sort of a trauma outlet. It's It's fiction, but it's it's based on, you know, if you were to read it, you would say, oh, I have, I've got a cousin that has that trait or I've got an auntie I know that does this. Or you can, it's sort of weirded from life itself. And that's why a lot of people tell me, are you sure it's fiction? I'm like, definitely fiction. I'm, I'm Lebanese background. I'm not Palestinian. Um, I've never been to Palestine. It, it just resonates so well because it's, it's from life. And when I wrote it three years ago, um, anytime I tell anyone, look, you know, I've written this book and I've got, a, as I said, literature degree background, so it's sort of in my expertise of study, everyone would tell me, but yeah, you, as you said, you're doing, selling clothing and then you're going to become an author and it just, like, it doesn't make it's sense. It's random. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's just like they say, you know, seven Ps, you're, you're the jack of all trades. You, you won't amount to anything. Who's going to read the book? That's without them even even knowing anything about the book. That's just, you know, the opinions. So, and I always sort of believe them. Then when COVID hit and I, I reached rock bottom in everything, like mentally in Melbourne, we were nearly locked up for two and a bit years on and off. It was just horrible. I said, you know what, if the world can come into a pandemic and everything can end, I'm just going to, this book is going to go to the world and if one person reads it and I can change one person's mind about life, then that 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 is the biggest thing I've done. When, when, it, when we launched it and it went to number one on Amazon, I was gobsmacked. Like I couldn't believe it. I started getting from around the world messages and I thought it was going to be a team book, like, you know, for a young adult book. But I had 50-year-old, 70-year-old war veteran, veterans messaging me and saying how the war, how the war story, you know, it just resonates with them so much. And then it went to um, New York Times Square. It was on a panel. Like it, it just got bigger and bigger and I was just like, oh, my God. You know, imagine if I had listened to everyone. I wouldn't have had the chance to interact with all these people. So that's yeah, a story and, basically. And change their life, right? 
Amazing. And what about the actual, I guess, themes within the book? Like if you had to tell us top three for someone listening that might be interested to read it, just what are like the top three themes in the book that offer a perspective or shift or just different opinion on life? So basically the book talks about uh, prejudice and segregation and how children pay the ultimate price in any war. The the main characters are Nisma and Hannah, one's Muslim, one's Jewish and their neighbours. But because of past trauma from both parents, they're forbidden to become friends. And all the kids want is just to live a sort of a normal life. But then the society tries to form into something they're not. So the book really discusses, it doesn't talk about religion or even politics, but it just talks about how we are so alike when you peel off the layers, especially children, teens, all they want is to live some sort of a decent life. They don't care you know, what skin colour you are. They don't care what religion you are. They don't care about if you're rich or poor. Children just want to be children. And and the book dives you into that and it takes you on their journey and and I've had pros and cons and and it's up to you as a reader to to have a look and see where you stand in that depending on your life, um, you know, events that have happened to you because everyone reads it differently. But but that's basically what it talks about, you know, that if we stand together united, nothing can defeat us. I think that's beautiful. I think that's a really nice message and uh, I look forward myself to reading it. But Mariam, I want to thank you so much for giving me half an hour of your busy, busy schedule uh, to come on and chat with me. It's been really beautiful getting to know you uh, and I have no doubt that your journey is just a snowball and it's going to continue to grow. Uh, And I hope whether it's back in Australia or here in Dubai, we you know, we're able to connect. But for anyone listening who wants to follow along your journey, your story, where's the best place they can do? Where are you most active? And I'll pop some links Instagram. in the show Instagram. I, I sort of don't sleep. IG. I'm always there, always on Instagram. <laughs> so follow me at okay. marion.alhuli. Amazing. Well, I'll put a link below, but thank you again for your time. I appreciate it.